Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a little stomp with a guest to take a little meander into their life. I'm excited to be speaking to Angela Scanlon on the podcast today. I've known Angela for a few years. She's an amazing personality, a real person, and she's so open about things she's experienced. I've been on her podcast. I've spoken with her as part of promotion of my book, Live Well Every Day, and I can tell you she is a fantastic and honest individual, so I'm really excited about this. And it's not just me who's a big fan of Angela. She's a well-loved broadcaster and is known for her documentary shows and a new book, Joyrider. And of course her podcast, Thanks a Million. Angela, welcome to the Stompcast. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thank, thank you for, for joining me. me. We are nippy, in, isn't it? it, it, it I don't know what it is actually a bit nippy, but uh, it's fine because the good thing about stomping is you warm yourself up, don't you? That's exactly it. And we're I all love about a good a, brisk walk. And you have, do you know what, you have, you're, you're quite tall and I think you've got a good... I'm actually not, I'm five, six and a quarter. Are the, are the, are the boots tall then? They are, they've got a bit of a like, um, I suppose, built-in platform. Well, in these particular boots and at yeah. the present moment, maybe, you, do you know, maybe you had a really good lot of sleep last night because you know, when you... You're the tallest in the morning. We're recording this kind yeah. of morning. Yeah. So you've had a good lie down and you've, you're, you're, your spine is stretched out and maybe you are just particularly tall this autumn morning. Possibly. I'm very upright, but also I love a good stretch in the morning because you? you kind of forget. Like, remember when you were a kid, you'd wake up and you'd do a big lion stretch and you used to do it naturally, like as a kid. And then you just forget. You're like up, phone, gone, whatever it is. Um, you do, but then when I had my like most recent daughter, I see her do that little. Oh, it's like yeah. a little cat. And then when you actually give yourself the time to do it, it's really kind of yeah. lovely. So maybe the children. You've got two children now. Two you're both girls. Like, two girls. Ah, two yeah. Two girls, and they're gonna they're gonna keep you on your toes. Oh yeah. Are they already keeping you on your toes? Yeah, yeah. So the the eldest is four, just started school, and then the baby is nine months. Just a wow, little older wow, than nine months. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Do they say it's terrible twos? Is that the bit you've got to watch out for? Well, that's what they say, but I never really experienced that. She was punchier when she was three. Oh. So they're like two, literally, I don't know otherwise, but um, she, oh, look at that little bird. Uh, she, yeah, the uh, three nagers, they say. So she's ah, like, you know, a little woman in the sassy. body of a toddler. I can't imagine where she gets it from, of course. No so. idea. I'm so no, sedate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's a word we'd attribute with you. Um, <laughs> but back to my previous point is that you yeah. are particularly having a good stride today. So we're going to keep warm. It's on a brisk stay. And yes. welcome everyone to, you know, the Stompcast. I hope you are enjoying your walk wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Should we give them a bit of a, you know, we do the five senses, but let's give people yeah. a bit of a, you know, a little summary of where we are, what we can see and what environment is. Oh, so we are in Highgate Woods um, and we're on a lap. I know you go off piste. Occasionally, occasionally. um, But this is a a route so that we don't have to concentrate on directions. (laughs) Um, And it's relatively close to where I live and there are beautiful trees everywhere. Obviously, it's a woods and a big open green space, which, you know, is home to many dogs and 
children and other large humans. Um, and it's just very peaceful, this place. I think I, we've lived here for maybe four years, so not a massive amount of time, but like close to half the amount of time I've lived in London. And it's kind of been our proper family, you know, where oh, our yeah. family have lived. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, we've, we've experienced a lot here, I think picnics and weeping and <laughs> and everything Children in between so yeah so or, you, or me around this park here does it bring back memories you could you kind of see different areas and you remember moments yeah really? yeah um yeah i do and i and i find um this whoa hello um this environment is so uh just feels very homely and I think for a long time London didn't feel like that for me certainly and then suddenly you're seeing people you know on their morning walks that you might see quite regularly and so there's something that just feels a bit familiar um, and there's comfort in doing a, a lap doing yeah. a route yes you know and routine, I kind of resisted the routine of it a little bit the routine it? of it and I was very resistant to routine for a long time were you? oh yeah Why? I thought it was for you know office bores Oh, really? Yeah, and I really rallied against it. Is that it. part of the Dublin or, like, kind of the Irish mm. rebellion against that? Or uh, we, maybe. Where does that come from? Well, I think the Wild it, side? Yeah, and a bit of, like, anti-establishment, anti-authority. Like, I didn't want to be working for the man yeah. or, you know, doing the quote-unquote normal mm. thing. But then, oddly, in lockdown, you know, there was nothing but routine. Mm. And I really loved it. Yeah. And as soon as we were breaking out of lockdown, I became quite, like, quite nervous, actually, and quite overwhelmed because I realised there was very little. I had very little control yeah. over my life and my schedule day to day. And I used to dress that up as something to get excited by. It felt a bit wild and unpredictable. But actually, I think deep down it makes me feel mm. a little everyone needs routine and even if yeah. you're someone what i find fascinating is even people go right i'm gonna go and travel the world for a year i'm gonna get you know i'm gonna I, i'm loving my van life video so can i yes. convert a van i'm gonna drive around australia amazing but i guarantee within that chaos and uncertainty you'll get up at a similar time you'll mm -hmm. probably make a coffee when you get up you'd like to maybe go for a little walk or there'll yeah. be similar music you listen to there's probably a similar routine within the chaos that you'll establish yeah so even if you say oh, i don't want routine you you do really you do it. tend to even if you have i think it's important to have spontaneity in your life you don't yeah. want everything the reason that life's amazing is because we don't know what's going to happen yeah that, and you want space for that yes but you yeah. also need the anchor that gives you but it's a bit like um organized chaos you know yeah. or or a bit like um what do they call it at like um kids parties you know organized fun kind of yes it's when you have a God, that sounds a, boring doesn't i know fun. so boring but the actually there, it, yeah technically but then when you think about it the, like the ingredients to yes. a good party if they're really well thought out yeah. and there's a structure and there's been there's a sense of kind of routine or boundaries you're yeah. like oh yeah i can go north within the safe yeah. confines and so i think we all and we maybe understand that more through kids you're like oh they really like boundaries and they like to know you know how far they can push it and all of those things or they like routine and actually i think you're absolutely right we all like it, even if we, mm. you know, think we don't or we like to resist it a little I or think a lot. So. I think so. And I think part of routine is that it does remind you of, uh, you know, doing the similar things each day and, you know, almost being appreciative of, of the fact that we can do those things. Yes. You know, the fact that we're able-bodied to go for a walk mm -hmm. and to enjoy, you know, where we are now. It's that, I yeah. guess, gratitude point.
which, uh, which are obviously very important given the book that you've uh, very. written, which we'll be talking about a little bit later. But I think yeah. the point of gratitude is, is something that I think practicing that each day, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when it comes to nature and walking, is a brilliant thing. I, you know, some days when I have a really bad day or a bad week or something, you know, something you're so stressed, sometimes just going like, right, okay, I'm out for a walk. Or I'm just kind of looking around going, what is it, you know, that I'm grateful for? And, and the basic yeah. little things, like the ability to just go out and just look around and just appreciate what's around you can actually yeah. really help like, kind of reset your mind and totally. your kind of focus, can't it? Yeah, and also grounds you. I think having somewhere in nature, because obviously we now all know, at least theoretically, the value of nature for our minds and our health. But I think it's the actual passing of the seasons and the the sense that oh yeah we re- we don't have a clue we think we're in control of things and then this whole world you know it runs without any yeah. interference from us and so I think that is quite comforting it, it reminds you of your uh, of your insignificance well, in the I, I world. Think, you know, I've just come back from Dubai and yes, there are some trip. changes in, uh, in temperature there and things, but you don't have seasonality we have here. And actually, I think there's almost a sense of comfort in the routine that yeah. we know the year will look a certain way. You know, that we, 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 you know we're around us, the leaves, the brown leaves are on the ground. We're very much in winter now. Yeah. You know that after winter you get spring and then there's that fresh optimism. You'll have the sun, the heat of the sun, and then moving towards the winter again. And I think having that cycle of life in yeah. itself gives you the anchor, doesn't it? Totally. And and we're probably have been kind of conditioned out of moving with those cycles. And it's something that I'm really into it, into actually is, and obviously for women, those cycles are more um, obvious, I suppose, on a monthly basis. But as humans, we're absolutely cyclical, whether it go on, he's going off piece, um, whether off that's piste. the, um, you know, cycles of, of um of the moon but also this idea that we're supposed to operate in the exact same fashion every day every month of every year and actually like it's come to now you know in the winter i think as animals we want Mm. to hunker down so the weather allows for that for us to lean into something that i think probably is quite natural in our you know dna is okay we've gone solid partying <laughs> or enjoying you know enjoying the summer and creating new things and then actually there needs to after that come a time of rest and yeah. hunkering down and warmth and literal hibernation which I'm very into well yeah. I mean we're in, in our coats we're in now we've got a little stomp here on a bike little enjoy I look at these kind of Steady collaborating bike. hats yeah they're very opposing hats autumnal and matching kids love but look this is a genius them. little bike because there's no brakes. No brakes, um, but also uh, <laughs> we're not ab- no pedals. We're not advocating no brakes. <laughs> no, no pedals, and it it basically gets their like core. It's called Obviously a steady balance. bike, so oh, it's basically yeah. So you learn something every day. There Do you go. know that, that? Hey, listen, here's one for you. On the opposite end of the scale. Yeah. Um, you know how we always give up our seats to elderly on the trains and things like this. Now, I'm not for a second saying that. I'm elderly and so on. However, sometimes when we try and do too much for those who are becoming elderly, you're actually doing them a disservice because um, there's a great geriatrician, so an elderly care doctor who um, was teaching me when I was in med school, and he was saying, when you're on the tube and you're standing and you're, you're kind of going along, that action of keeping balance is stabilising their core, is keeping them strong, is keeping their brains alert. Okay. When you say, right, I'm going to get all your um, shopping for you, yeah. make them sit all the time, drive them everywhere and stop them walking, you're, you're basically 
you know, you're, you're stopping them maintaining muscle, cognitive balance, the inner ear and all these kind yep. of things. I'm not, for example, saying like, let's not help our elderly. But no. It's, it's kind of the same end of that kind of spectrum, isn't it? The same kind of principles well, and ideas. Well, it's like dis- almost disabling them from, or yeah. taking away that independence in a way. Yeah. You're like assuming they're incapable. And I think a lot of kids, there's a, a Glennon Doyle wrote a book called Untamed. It's one of my favourite books. She talks a lot in it about... Uh, snowplow parenting, um, where we have as a generation, so we're we're more aware of trauma, you know, yeah. big T trauma and little T trauma or whatever, like the small things that would have happened in family systems that sure. would create behaviours that dictate how you live and how you, how you act, I suppose. But she talks about are like we're slightly overcorrecting mm. so we now have kids and we're like I don't want to give them any trauma so we're yeah. going to clear like snow play so that they can just cruise along behind us without any impediment and in a similar way what you do is take away the opportunity for them to move around an obstacle to overcome something to figure out that they can either fall down and get mm. back up again and that it doesn't kill them mm. Um, or that they can navigate their way um, independently. And I think sometimes in the, with the best of intentions to protect and to hold and to care for people at whatever end of the spectrum, you take away the opportunity for yeah, them to build learning, resilience build and well, confidence and, yeah, all of those things. I mean, it's harder to do in reality, but it is... Um, yeah, I think it's it's necessary. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because just before you came, we got here a little bit earlier, we're in the cafe in the middle of that park and uh, we were sat having a, a coffee. Abby was having a seasonal hot chocolate um, and we were waiting there and then outside there was um, two mums and two children. The yeah. kids are running around and you know playing, etc. And the little boy tripped over and he, he fell against the bench or whatever. Not, not, didn't hurt himself badly, but yeah. you watch that and you go, the mum went over and said, OK, and checked him out and said, good, and then carry on playing. It'd be easy to try and confine that person, that child, and yeah. say, we're going to try and you know, remove every obstacle. Sit not up let, on my nap. If they, go, if they go anywhere near a bench or anywhere near anything dangerous to, to kind of overprotect him. But like, yeah. that falling over, that tripping, the only mm-hmm. way that you learn to get up and carry on is, yeah. is by falling. And to know that you can get, get up, bu- yeah. back up, you know, because like no matter what, how blessed a childhood or an existence you have, there's going to be stuff thrown at you, you're going to fall over. Otherwise, yeah. it's not much fun when anyway, you watch it, it? I think there's two sides. So I watched it. So this child's tripped over, hit against the bench, just crying. Yeah. And the mum's gone over. The bit that's important, I think, which I, the bit that I think is important to avoid, I definitely experienced when I was younger and I'm, I'm sure a lot of men that will have definitely experienced and I think even women as well to be honest is that kind of thing of like don't cry you're get fine. on with it you're fine okay, stop it don't be don't be a girl yeah that, that old yeah. chestnut um you know gross and bald or quite a bit I'm not that young I wouldn't say that but you know but yeah big boys that, don't that's cry, the vibe that kind of vibe yeah that is the dangerous point because it becomes like the trying and failing is important yeah but there's nothing wrong with being upset with that or feeling you know being upset that you've tripped over and hurt yourself or whatever it's kind of going okay that hurts let's have yeah. Okay, yeah, and she was good because I watched her. She, she kind of allowed the space, you know, to be upset because he did bang against the chair. It yeah. would have hurt. And then when they've kind of gone, oh, I'm okay now. So you're right. Yeah, yeah. You okay. Play on. But you that's know, the bit that's important. It's so important, and I've seen that with. So again, I read a book called uh, um, "The Book You Wish Your Parents Had and Your Kids Will Be Glad You Did" wow. by Philip Perry, who's a child psychologist. And I read it before I had my eldest daughter, and so I was. Re- it's a kind of interesting read because. 
I was in therapy at the time, still am, but like I was kind of, you know, figuring out things about my own childhood and my own patterns. And then also thinking about my own parenting, whatever that would look like. So you're kind of reading it from the, the aspect of child and a parent. Anyway, she talks a lot about, the, about the, that holding of space and that essentially the job, like, because we're going to fuck it up. That's literally the gig. But the job of the parent is to be a container for the kids' feelings. And so I was really on this because I don't think, well, my parents were not aware of that. It was like, you know, four young kids. Come on, up you get. We don't have get time for this. Go on, you'll on, be fine. It, you'll be fine. And, and I think born out of a, a fear mm. that if you mollycoddled and you kind of yeah. um, gave in to every whim or you, yeah. you answered every whimper that you'd become this monstrously needy creature and then actually what I noticed was when Ruby would fall over knock something I'd literally stop down tools yeah. we'd sit on the floor and I'd say oh that looks so sore and try yeah. to like mirror her yeah. like the so you're devastation of like moment and, and and I hear this on a similar um level it's kind of like and you, you were talking about the, the different kind of traumas and stuff. It's trying to remove... So, some, so, for example, like a child might be so devastated that there's a hole in their favourite socks. It's hard for you to empathise. You're like, oh, whatever, just pick a it's new pair. nothing. But to them, in it's that everything. moment, it's the biggest thing. And I think there's a balance of obviously kind of making sure you're contextualising stuff. Yes. But it's not going, don't, you're being stupid, because all you're doing is saying, I don't understand the way that you feel. Yeah. And, but, I think, uh, and more so, the way you feel is not relevant yes it's not acceptable it's yes, not exactly. which stops them feeling yeah. or allowing for those we're feelings. already training a, a, a cycle of ignoring yeah, them. ignoring feelings or they're wrong or they're, you know they're, yeah so they, it's hard for us sometimes i mean we were kind of born at a time though when our kind of parents would have been told you know if they're crying don't pick them up don't give too much attention to the baby they'll become attached you'll ruin them but yeah there's no there's absolutely no evidence in fact most yeah. child psychologists will say that that yes. actually providing a lot of love and hugging and picking mm. Mm -hmm. a map and a lot of contact with a lot of obviously trusted adults with trusted people around yeah. you you're not going to end up with a, like a, that's not going to be indicative of like a molly coddle child the opposite, I mean, the opposite yeah exactly if there was, an, exper there was, an, there was like... an experiment done with puppies and they had um they looked at puppies two groups of puppies um and they uh, looked at what happened if you so basically they they had one that they did positive and reinforcement lots of love and attention the other yeah. they kind of was more kind of disciplined and telling them off okay and they found that the discipline group were much more needy and much more kind of coming up and being too much than the yeah. ones that are actually given a nice a kind of loving you know a positive reinforcement environment yeah and i think that's in it's everywhere it's that kind of thing if you if there's something up if there's something bothering you and somebody gives you even the tiniest bit of space to go, I hear you. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't know that I would have the same reaction, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly you feel soothed. You feel relief. You feel like you've been seen and heard. And you can kind of move on. Whereas if, and, and I often think of it like in a, in a work place, if you're, you know, putting your hand up and you want to get mm. a point across um, and you're ignored, it does it's not your point doesn't go away the kind of need to be seen doesn't go away you just get more and more frustrated exactly. if if you're listened to the need goes away goes whereas away. i think the fear is that you give in to that need you create this like the hand is up all the time or the hand is out or they want more hugs or they want more of this but actually i think if we're listened to soothed relieved then you know we can develop in that in a kind of a way that you you kind of actually build resilience. Yeah, you know what you were saying about the that neediness thing, which I think is the big fear with parents. And you're like, actually, if when you need something, mm. 
um, you're like responded to and, mm. and that need is fulfilled, mm. then your assumption is in life that your needs will be fulfilled. Yeah. Whereas if when you're a baby and you need something and that need is not yes, fulfilled, right. you enter the world assuming that you'll never get it unless you have to, unless you fight, yeah. unless you, you know, really um, push for it. And I think it's, um, it's quite a, yeah, you're in survival mm. with the assumption that you won't get what you need unless you well, get you, it for yourself. If you bring it to the sharp end, I mean, you know, if you fast forward and you have that kind of behaviour and say, we're, we're not having a situation where I'm trying to understand, we're trying to say, come on, get on with it, don't be silly. Yeah. Fast forward it to the 15-year-old teenager who you might not actually directly understand what it's like for them, but they're maybe being bullied online, they feel isolated or they're having body image issues. Yeah. Are they going to come to you when they feel like self-harming or feel that they're going to restrict their food or whatever it is yeah. when you have basically conditioned all their lives that... Come on, get on with it. Their feelings don't matter. Yeah, their feelings, because they'll go, well, they won't understand. Yeah. And whenever they haven't understood in the past, going to them hasn't helped. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's not about trying to blame game and so on. We're all learning. Everyone's learning. I'm saying as someone who's not, I very much openly say, you know, I'm not a parent. So yeah. I, what do I know in, in that sense? But it is something that we are, we're becoming more and more aware of. Yeah. And I think it's good to go, do you know what, with, as time goes on, let's... Let's learn from, I guess, like, yeah, science. And our things, mistakes experiences as well. And our mistakes. And, and, yeah. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because you, you spoke about your upbringing. Mm-hmm. Most people ma- imagine ways that they would be a parent. And a lot of the time, it's like there's certain things they would take forward. But there's yeah. also things to think, well, I won't do. And I think that's part of progression, isn't it? 100%. And, but, but I think a lot of people don't actually look that closely at their own upbringing because it's it can be quite painful for a lot of people um, or it can feel disloyal or it can feel frightening to finger pointing almost you exactly feel like, oh, that it's not fair on mum because of this or dad and they did that. so much for me and they were so good and then you know but actually what it does is if you don't look then you're repeating patterns unconsciously and I think that's the the fear is that there's this generational way of behaving that unless you intercept then you're just continuing you know that same cycle over and over again so yeah for me it was kind of out of out of necessity and it was after I had my daughter that I started to like properly look at my own stuff because I was very conscious that whatever I was doing for myself was not really working and I didn't want her to experience that version of me. Well I think that's a really good point for us to Quickly, we'll talk about what's in your stomping toolkit because I'm going to pick yes. up from there. And I think your childhood and how that's influenced your life and the experiences mm-hmm. you've had and in part two. So let's, let's talk about the stomping toolkit uh, briefly. What, what is the must-haves? What are the essentials? Is it the long coat? The boots? <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Definitely a good pair of walking boots. Um, and I love, like, again, lots of people talk about, oh, a nice walk in nature. I love a ferocious, like, a ferocious, angry walk in nature. Stomping. We are doing, like, I can say we out. are doing good pace here. Yeah. I'm looking at the old Fitbit and I can say we are doing, are how many steps? I've done, how many, I've already done quite a few steps today. We have churned through at least four or five thousand already. Okay, great. Yeah, I like flying. to think I'm, I'm, have a sense of purpose in my walk. Um, I love I also, that because, you know, the definition of stomping is walking with purpose. Is it? Yes, as coined, as coined by, well, me. 
it maybe isn't the definition, to be fair. It is now, It is now. So what else? A gratitude, which I know you, you touched mm. on before. I've written a book about it. And that was one thing that I ironically took for granted for a million years, but that centres me every single day, multiple times sometimes mm. throughout a day um, and, and keeps me sane. I'm also a big uh, fan of meditation. Mm. Do you um, meditate while walking? Well, I have done walking meditations, but like not in the, oh, you know, here's my gentle feet hitting the ground. Like that's nice. And that's more mindfulness though, isn't it? Yes. But I love a very, like, there's a guy called, have you heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza? No, I haven't actually. Okay, so he's a... Um, He's a... Uh, dog's flying past. He is well. absolutely oh my gosh, he See the size of that fence he jumped did, over that did, dog? Did he? Did you hear that? He's like a horse dog. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when Irish people say horse. horse. A horse. A horse dog. A horse dog. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I like a, yeah, a ferocious walking meditation. So one where I'm like, um, yeah, walking, walking into my future. So it's like bold... Well, we're going to have to Determined. try. Let's try. Let's try a bit of that. Should in we do that? Three, I think okay. we'll give that a we'll give that a good. It's a, a good little go. frightening for passers-by. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Is it really? You're kind we're of sk- in trance, like literally going oh, eye of the tiger vibes. I'm excited. I'm for into that. it. Yeah. Well, we're going to do that, and we're going to talk about um, Joyrider in, yeah. in, in part three. So your new book, which which is out now, of course. It is. So if you haven't already, I'm sure you will have head onto Amazon, order a copy. But we'll be diving further into it. Thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode with me and Angela Scanlon in Highgate Woods. If you're not finished stomping yet, make sure to go and listen to part two now or come back to catch up on tomorrow's stomp. See you very soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.